Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week, we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week, we watched Unicorn Store, directed by Brie Larson and released in 2019. The plot of Unicorn Store goes something like this. After failing out of art school, moving home with her parents and taking a boring office job, Kit gets an opportunity to achieve her childhood dream of owning a unicorn. And as we usually do, we will do a spoiler-free section up front to tell you whether we think you should see this movie. So, should people see this movie? I guess if you really like this kind of thing. I do not really like this kind of thing, and I did not enjoy this movie. (laughs) Um, I found it really twee to a point where I found it almost unwatchable at times. Once it settles into something resembling a plot, I kind of liked it. And then something happens, and I really liked it. And then they took that back, and I didn't like it again. (laughs) So, that's my – yeah, no, I didn't really enjoy it. Yeah, I didn't mind it, but I think it's – I don't know. It, it, it's got a, got a lot of problems. Like there's, I thought there was some good lines. The script was kind of fun. I like the kind of, I like the idea of actually thinking about and celebrating, you know, being unabashedly girl into rainbows and unicorns and glitter. And I like, I liked some of the things about it, but it is, it was a bit painful just because I don't think the story was particularly original and I don't think it was particularly well executed. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like the execution is very consistent and like, yeah, I just don't think it's very interesting mm. <laughs> and I don't really like the the way this – I don't like the story. So the execution – I mean, it's so it's so twee and it's so like, look how quirky I am, but I don't feel like it had enough substance to, to, to sustain that. Um, I found it more often irritating yeah they're not so I, yeah. like i mean um what is it paddington is those Super movies twee. are really twee mm. but i love them they have so much heart and all the tweeness is focused and it makes sense this one it was just kind of yeah airy i, I have some problems with her as a, as a character too which we'll oh, get yeah. into in spoilers but yeah it was sort of a bit yeah i enjoyed the i thought the ship the this ship the script was reasonably sharp i've discovered a new person in um mamudu ati mm. who um plays her friend and yeah he's really good and it, i don't know i think it has some nice things about it that i liked but i i also find these sort of coming of age stories a bit overdone like there's thousands and thousands of actors turned directors who go and do a story about go and do a movie about like that time after college where you're trying to find your way in the world and figure out how to still be yourself while also being an adult which is it's fine it's just like you know i'm a bit yeah bored of that now it's not just that. Oh, yeah anyway we'll get into it uh but yeah i suppose if you really want to see it then do it yeah if it's your kind of thing you'll probably know but i can't definitely can't recommend it to everybody yeah <laughs> Okay, okay, so we'll get into the spoiler part now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't. Um, I, I mean, yeah, her as a character, she gets whiny because she flunked out of art school for reasons I don't understand. Like it just seems to be they don't like her aesthetic, which doesn't make a lot of sense. There mm. was no judgment on any actual, like there, there the were work no, she'd done. Yeah, yeah. Like she had clearly done work that was. I mean, to me, mm. as good as what everybody else around her had done like and she, she did clearly, something creative and different yeah and she worked on it and she cared about it and she thought about her reasons for doing it and all that yeah. so i don't understand the reasons for her flunking out of art school apart from like society doesn't understand me man yeah. which is the thing through the whole movie and then when she like 
realizes she might have been scammed and that brings her and Virgil closer together and then he builds a thing for her, I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> like, maybe, you know, this is really good for her because she grows out of that and then she has to go and tell the actual unicorn she doesn't want it. And I was like, I would have been really happy if it hadn't existed. Ah, uh, yeah. I would have it been probably a- would have worked quite well if it didn't, actually. Yeah. The message of the movie would have been much stronger for me if it hadn't existed and she just became accepted for who she is and realized that she didn't need to go off into a fantasy world. Mm. That would have been much stronger for me. And I would have actually probably came out of it at least appreciating the movie, even if I didn't love, you know, the style of it and everything. But the fact that they went and then made the unicorn real, that was like, well, why bother with that part then? Mm. It's just to take her, like, you know, it's just that kind of nobody believes in you still idea, which is stupid because everybody's just kind of shown that they do. Yeah. No, uh, uh, my stuff was, my worries were more like prosaic, like, there's baby videos shown at the start of like her as a baby in mm. 1990. And so she's meant to be Brie Larson's age, like so 28, 29 now. So how old is this character? Because she's there are times where she's behaving like a 14-year-old, especially with regard to her parents and like the way she, the way she is around them. So I got quite confused at times. Like I, I even wrote down like is she neuroatypical? Like is this, you know, this – She's really like there's a bit where she and Virgil are out in the backyard working on the the stables and like her mom, you know, wants her to come in for dinner. And instead of like like a 20-something going, you know, actually giving a normal kind of answer, she kind of yells like a tantrum. I'm going to get pizza. Oh, mom. You're always in my way. And like sounds really strange coming out of someone who's, you know, college-aged even. Yeah. I think it's – I. I was trying to wrap my head around that stuff too. And I think it's a commentary on how we interact with our parents and how we kind of get stuck at a certain age with interacting with our parents. But her parents were so nice and didn't deserve the horrible way she treated them Mm. throughout the movie. And then the message for that was that they have to accept her. And you're like, Mm. no, the message from that should have been like grow up and start treating your parents nicely. Yeah. Like I think she does learn some of the value of her parents across the course of the movie, but it's sort of like beha- like there, there's not the same comeuppance for that behavior <laughs> as no. there should be. Yeah. Because um, no, she's really awful to them. But also like – and the movie is doing some things where it kind of deliberately exaggerates stuff, I think, in order to make a point. Oh, yeah. But Constantly. It, yeah, yeah. But it, it, the way it does that sort of comes across weirdly. Mm. Yes, I agree. Right, right from the – like at the – my first note on this is this is the hardest pastel aesthetic I have ever seen. But um, the the when she's watching TV mm. and she's like flipping through the channels and every single channel yeah, is about like, her and it's all clearly ads made for them mm. for the movie and I was like, Ugh. oh, I didn't mind that because there was a really funny antidepressant ad called Despondica. That's the yes. thing that, but like, but the, it's just the, it's 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 like that sad exaggeration where it's so on the nose mm. that you can't like. It's, it goes beyond being – it's not relatable anymore. Yeah. You know, like it, it literally is showing her that the world revolves around her. Yeah. And I was trying to work out like what it's called. It's a, I'm, I'm like this – the way the humor works in this and the way this movie works, it's like – are they going for like a surrealist idea? Are they going for – like I, I couldn't kind of work out what it was going for because it, do, it actually does have a heap of kind of funny lines and stuff. But then like – because of the way the movie's just constantly sort of playing everything up for effect, it 
it got less and less funny as time went on. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's just too – it's not grounded in anything for me. It mm. doesn't feel grounded. Also, <laughs> this movie basically confirms everything that boomers say about millennials, which I find really problematic. Mm. Like, a lot of millennials are in temp jobs because they can't get a job, not just yeah. because they're like – don't know the meaning of life yeah man. and also there's a whole thing around like boomers telling millennials you know raising us as people who were like follow your dreams but then like yeah. crashing into when you do finish college or whatever crashing into the reality that that is might not be a way to there might not be a way to do that yeah and there's also um <laughs> the concept of what office work is <laughs> Which I know it's again. I know it's exagger- being exaggerated for effect, like a kids' movie or something. Where yeah, it's which, like, but then again, oh, adults just go to an office job and they push a button on a copier and that's all they do. Yeah, and you're like, no, and that's not all they a do. Movie sent in this decade, a set in this decade, where like her job is photocopying pages out of magazines. It, again, it just feels like it was this movie was written in like 1998 or something, and then just sort of repurposed a little bit. Except that it's sort of the ultimate. Yeah, movie again. But uh, yeah, yes, but also there's a long history of you know movies about coming of age and having to move back home and you know. Yeah. But there, there is stu- yeah, exactly. There's all this stuff that's like totally millennial about it, and then there's all this stuff that's like was this written in the nineties. Yeah. Um, I wrote at one point this movie is a series of mood boards. <laughs> well, I, I actually thought that whoever did the costumes had a great time. Like all the all the color and stuff would have been really fun to do. And like, where do you source a pastel rainbow bright puffer jacket? Like, I I think it would have been interesting and fun to do the the costume and production design on it. <laughs> These are just why are you wearing a costume? These are just my clothes. You're like, oh, okay, buddy. Yeah, and she in, clearly, when she's in a costume that was clearly designed just so she could twirl and get that shot, yeah. which was just fun. <laughs> I mean, it was funny. I mean, I kind of liked that bit because I was wondering how they were going to resolve the storyline because it gets very serious very fast because she's being sexually harassed from like her first minutes at work. That was so odd. It was so odd the way that the movie framed all of that stuff too. I was Mm. just like, what are they doing with this character? Yeah. Anyway. And then she's like – in the car with Virgil, it's like, am I pretty enough to be sexually harassed? Which, like, oh, um, okay. Which is, this, and then that, that's, again, that. that's exaggerating, right? But then Mamudu Ati, who's such a good actor, he like, he just, his, you can see in his face, he's just horrified when he's yeah. hearing these stories from her. It was almost like he's in a different movie. Yeah. Well, he. That's another thing. Where, yeah, she seems stunted. Yeah, like, really, stunted. really stunted. And and so at one point, like she says something about, I think something's wrong with my brain. And I'm, I'm like, I genuinely had been wondering if she's neuroatypical. I was wondering if she was suffering some kind of mental break frequently yeah. in my notes. Yeah. <laughs> are they not at all concerned she might be having a mental break? Like yeah. these are people who are clearly very tuned into that stuff. Do they not think at some point, hmm, our daughter thinks she's getting a real life unicorn. Yeah. Maybe we should do something about but, this. I mean, and I don't – um. I did eventually come to like the parents because they are pretty cool. But at the beginning, they they treat her like she's in kindergarten as well, like the way they talk to her about her job and stuff. I I feel I feel kind of like what that was was like she was sinking into a depression, and they knew that, so they were exaggerated exaggerating praise like, and all of that sort of did stuff. Did you make to, any friends? And yeah, yeah, to try and like you know that regression seemed like that was the thing. She seemed huh. to me like she was mentally not stable and the people around her were trying to you know help her Uh her. okay 
Yeah. Which is that's why I thought it was actually starting to get good when maybe that wasn't what was happening and she went to the warehouse and it was all empty and, I, you mm. know, Samuel L. Jackson might have been a con man in a glitter wig or whatever. Mm. Um, but And, like, that would have been really interesting to have that wake-up call and then have um, have Virgil build that house for her mm. as, like, look, you can still, like, embrace your dreams and stuff while also being a real person in the real world. Mm. Like, nobody's saying that you can't be creative or whatever. But, no, or that you can't wear bright clothes or yeah, have exactly. a, um, yeah, colorful aesthetic or, yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, you know, m- maybe society isn't cool with that, but I am kind of a thing. So, yeah, and find mm. something that, that would work better for her. Then, see, that to me is ruined by having to go back and, and actually have the unicorn be real. Mm. Unless, like, that is another psychotic break, in which case, then nothing solved in the movie anyway. And, and Virgil's there as well. So like then what's going on? Yeah. I, 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 I mind less about the unicorn being real than you do because there, it does, I mean, she still does go through the whole, I, I can still be an adult without having a literal unicorn. Like I, that, that journey was okay to me, but yeah, but that's, I mean, to me, it's more about the world that the movie is setting up, mm. right? Because that is the moment when the m- movie confirms that it is a fantasy setting. Mm. So, like a lot of the stuff then in the movie, I don't know. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that the movie then went like, yes, this is a fantasy setting where there are real unicorns mm. in the world, given where I thought it was going just one scene earlier. Yeah. I, I also had a moment where I thought maybe she would walk into the room that was like, your unicorn is in here and she'd walk in and it would be Virgil. Yeah. Like he's your unicorn or something like that. Like yeah. more metaphorical maybe. Yes. So that it would have like that magical realism sort of thing to it without being fully fantasy. Mm. That's what I would have liked. <laughs> yeah. Learning a, a lesson in that way. Exactly. Mm. Like, you know, um, the once you – and also it's sort of like once – because a lot of where the movie was going was like she has to prove that she's going to be a good – like unicorn owner right Mm -mm. so what i kind of thought she might be doing was going through these steps to like make herself a better person yeah and become more responsible and all that sort of stuff and then people will want to be around you more and she's opening herself up to everybody more so then it would have made sense that she attracted her unicorn into her life which was virgil yeah that's right more more love and all and the steps are quite simple you know like make a good home and Mm. prove that you're financially stable and i can't remember what the rest of them are Surround yourself with uh, like with have love. a loving Surra- home. Yeah. exactly. Have a loving home and all that kind of thing. Like and like put out more loving energy and things like that. It's all those are really good steps for her to be yeah. a better person and get herself out of this like emotionally stunted rut, rut mm. that she was in. So it would have been really good if that had followed through. But yes. the follow through seems to be oh I don't need the unicorn anymore. Another lady might need you more. Yeah. Which is really sweet, but not where the movie was going before then, I don't think. Yeah, it, it's weird. Like, she then tells the unicorn all this stuff that we never knew. Mm. About, which, how, yeah, how she dreamed of this as a kid. Like, we would have been useful for, for us to know earlier on mm. when, like, Samuel L. Jackson approaches her out of nowhere. Well, no, she gets this approach out of nowhere about owning a unicorn. Because when that starts, like, there is something fun about Samuel L. Jackson playing so against type oh, yeah. there. And, like... I mean, it does fall into some some magical Negro traps, but it also is like the you know the mysterious guy. But 
it's so against type for Samuel L. Jackson and he's so good that it's really fun to watch him do that. I think it avoids that in a couple of ways. One is that the love interest is also a, a very and, um, stable black yeah. man. And the, the casting is actually really quite diverse, like in sort of background characters and yeah. stuff. Um, and also yeah. he's not there to like – I mean, he's not there to give her pa- like her powers and no, all that no, sort of stuff. No, no, it's not quite the same. Yeah, but he's he, just a salesman. Yeah, and he's so great and sort of. He so might ag- have he might have his own reasons for selling the things that he sells. Sorry. Yeah, and he's so against type in that scene too, which is it is kind of fun. And it would that been- was such a um, Gandalf scene. Yeah, yeah. When Gandalf gets really big yeah, and yeah. scares Frodo, that reminded me. Oh no, scares Bilbo. That reminded yes. me of that so much. Exactly. It's kind of like it was a fun sort of, hey, this is guys not just here to push the plot along kind of mm. story. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you then. No, it's all right. I think I was going down the track of like, these are all, these are all kind of really, really good actors in these parts mm. as well. So they've got all these great lines and this sort of sparky dialogue, but some of it occasionally, it comes through occasionally. <laughs> but yeah. His first scene has heaps of it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a legitimate place of business. This is the opposite of murder. Yeah. Um, is one of them. And he goes like, oh, we have, you know, hay and, and nice places for it to go for the unicorn and Wi-Fi. Um, yeah, yeah. And we have to clean them up because they're covered in leaves and berries and shit for being in the forest. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then the, uh, the um, she goes, I'm going to go gra- buy graph paper. And he goes, graph paper can't love you back, <laughs> which I thought was maybe the best line in the movie. <laughs> and then from there, like when she enlists, Virgil to come and help her mm-hmm. and she's like enthusiastic in the garden and going it's just like your ga- garden variety stable yeah was really funny yeah oh I know that was great that's like very uh, people who don't know how to build trying to build you know who just like I just want a stable yeah yeah and then like the scene that totally broke my heart was like like kicking in the the um her playhouse mm-hmm. and Bob Bradley Whitford's watching from that he built it and he, he's watching from inside and I was like oh yeah, and that's right. Turned he around. What's on, going on? Uh, yeah, and that's right. He doesn't. That's when I turned on, around on the parents because I was like, "Oh my god, they may treat it like she's in kindergarten, but at least they're good." Like, is this what life is like when you have a happy childhood? Like, I don't know. This is weird. These this woman is strange, and I don't understand what's going on. Yeah, with her, she I just. I know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of the problems come in her her problems with her parents, and also like the, uh, I do actually really like the scene where Bradley Whitford's saying like telling her about the things that the other kids have been through mm. he's like we know they're lying and we accept that you know but we we yeah. um, support them in that so that eventually they'll open up to yeah, us they, right? yeah because they've been through things you would have no idea about because you got us for parents and look how amazing we are <laughs> well not just that but that they have genuine problems yeah they, they and she haven't and her, had this like yuppie upbringing yeah her, her problems are like she tried to follow her dream and couldn't and like the, for yeah. reasons that the movie never really explains, yeah. Like clearly, she's not a bad artist, mm. and she never tries to like make it on her own as an artist either. And I'm like, it's art school. I think you can do art without finishing no, art. Exactly. Like, do you get hired as an artist based on art school, or do you just go and make art and then try and sell it? Yeah, exactly. That's pretty much how people get hired as an artist. You know, like. Of all the things, I mean, it's not like she tried to go to business school and didn't graduate and therefore won't have a degree to show potential, you know, like. I know, I know. Yeah, she doesn't have. Very weird. Her problems are very, very minor. Yeah, that too. I mean, I I understand what it's like to be a creative person and have to go into the real world and get a job and want to do the creative things. I understand it, which is why I'm so frustrated with this movie for like almost trivializing it a lot. Yeah. 
Oh, I've got another line um, from the it, from her. Is it from Ryan Hansen? Because is. I have one from yeah. Ryan Hansen. <laughs> it's probably the same one. Well, I mean, he really only has, you know, a couple of lines. So. Yeah. So it's a lot of people think I'm not smart because I'm a delivery guy and I'm kind of hot. Yep. That <laughs> yeah. was the one. But like I do crosswords. <laughs> um, I know. It was, it was such a tiny role, but he took it and he ran with it and he well, did what he does best. That's what that's what Ryan Hansen does. That's yeah. why I give Ryan Hansen roles. I also feel like I would have really liked to get to know more about him and the other girl who was friends with her at yeah. work who was so supportive and so lovely. Well, yes, because like – She's lovely to her from her first day. And then also she's able – they're clearly close enough that she can call on her to do this big pitch with her. Yeah. So, like, we don't really see that develop. No. And it would all. have also been nice to see that as, like, you know, there's, a, there's also a moment that I think would have been worth getting into more than the movie does where Brie, where Brie Larson, um, Kit, says – she doesn't. Uh, she was talking about herself, and she's to- again. It's that monologue to the unicorn, and she's mm-hmm. saying to it that she didn't think anybody could ever love her. Yeah, and I'm like, well, why didn't we get into that stuff more? Right. Everything that was interesting that could have been interesting about this movie is stuff that she tells the unicorn that shouldn't have existed in mm. like the last. It's introducing information in your conclusion which you are not supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always Bad tell essay my writing. students not to do that. Yeah. <laughs> this no. movie has all the new information in the scene before the last scene. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Poor writing. Even if it's in a story and not a, like a, an essay, yeah, yeah. you should have all of the pieces set up to be put into place in the finale, mm. not suddenly introduce a whole bunch of stuff that we never knew about Kit that might have actually made us, like, the whole connect movie with sense. her. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I, I feel like there's a really good movie in here. I just want to rearrange everything and, and yeah. make it more grounded. Yeah, that's right. They could, I think there could be something good in there. Um, and it, it it's so all over pretty quick. Like they did, did try to keep it to 90, 90 minutes, which, you know, I normally love. But there is that sort of lack of information in there about but, this yeah, person. There's a lot of faffing about when they could have put that information in anyway. Yes, that's right. <laughs> um, a, lot, a, lot of, uh, a lot of costume changes and things like that, which, I again, I love the costumes. I think they're really fun. At one point I'd go, oh, I really like those shoes. And then I realized they're shoes that I own in another color. <laughs> So, um, before, so there's a bad date. She goes on a bad date with, um, with Virgil, Mm -hmm. right. And, and like yells at him because her dreams have fallen apart, which I kind of, at least in that moment, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's been crushed. Yeah. Nice if the unicorn hadn't been real. Um, but then there's a, there's like a montage after that where she's like calling him and showing up, and then she goes to the place where they went on their dinner date by herself. Uh-huh. And I was just shocked that the whole thing wasn't set to that all by myself. <laughs> <laughs> like that's exactly what it felt like to me. I was like, if it had been set to all by myself, it would have been a comedy beat. Yeah, yeah, and it would have been good. But instead, it's it's just weird. Yeah, like her weird quirky sadness yeah. beat. <laughs> And my last note on this movie is no interracial kissing, huh? Yeah. Because they never kiss in this movie and I think it's because he's black and she's white. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I just was like, well, why aren't they going to kiss at the end? Like, not only don't they not kiss, she gives Samuel L. Jackson this big hug and he's standing right there and she looks at him and they walk out together holding hands and that's it. Yeah, I think it's because they're inter- yeah, it's an interracial relationship. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> think of that, but of course that makes sense. And like, why not? He's so cute and so good. I know. I really liked him a lot too. Oh yeah, um, he's like my new discovery. Now I'm going to be like tracking him down and following his career. But what was weird was that he sounds so much like the boss, Hamish Linklater. I think he is. Oh yeah, they they have the same 
voice almost. Yeah. I mean, Mamudu Ashi's is a little well, it's better. But and, and Hamish Linklater is deliberately doing the really um what's the word I'm looking for? I can't remember like really flat kind of yeah, thing with flat his. intonation. Yeah. But, yeah. But yeah. Like there's so I, I do, was yeah. Though. Playing a game some of the time while I was watching this movie because I got bored a lot, and um, I would hear a voice, and I would have to look up at the scene to see which one it was just at the uh, start, right? Because they have a very—I mean, it just like it's this—they're both very deep, and mm. they both have the same accent. Yeah. So every so often, I would look up and be like, "Oh, okay, that makes yeah, sense." Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, no, I definitely. And they'd be in like scenes one after the other too. Yeah. See, I definitely did pay attention. I didn't actually. I didn't get too bored there were a couple of times i did flick onto my game but i tried i I mean i was trying not to as well but yeah i think i kind of liked looking at it because there was lots of pretty stuff and it was like pretty girly aesthetic you don't often see but i know a lot of people who are into like the sparkles and the glitter and stuff it was kind of fun oh yeah i liked that although although it was not well lit no that was that seemed like a lack of budget thing to me yeah yeah there was some um because ended up like it, it this did start out as a it did a couple of fest a bit of a festival circuit a couple mm. of years ago and now it's finally found a home on netflix which i'm not surprised that it took so long for it to find a home to be honest um but yeah you could sort of see the we could i could think you could see the first time directoriness of yeah, it definitely. like that i a couple of times though the lighting was just like oh which i mean yeah sure they they didn't have a lot of budget or whatever budget they did have was into the costume went into the costuming and the the uh, production design because obviously they put some effort into that yeah um yeah i actually quite liked the um the vacuum ad preparation and stuff yeah, for the yeah. vacuum ad like all the, the embracing the glittery kind of girly aesthetic stuff was fine with me. i liked mm-hmm. that uh, or i didn't dislike it every so often it was kind of dissonant to me yeah well the vacuum ad but, prep was like her throwing herself into something knowing that she might fail and like but like still giving it 110 percent and making it about it and making it you know her own personality you say knowing that she might fail. She really thought she was going to get that promotion. Yeah, true. She just lives in it. Yeah. Yeah, and that that didn't resolve the way I thought it would either because, like, you would think that that would be the big thing where she get she would be disappointed because she didn't get it and then have to come back from that and try something different. Mm. But it doesn't quite no, – that beat doesn't resolve the way you expect it to resolve. Yeah, she just quits and therefore and also gets away from the creepy boss. But it's also implied that the reason that she quits is because he doesn't really believe in her. Yeah. But which, like, which is again this sort of thing. Like, you should have known that anyway. He's creepy and gross. He Everybody was telling you. you. Yeah, um, Annalie, Annalie Ashford. Yeah, tells tells her that. But like, also clearly at some point, there's an off-screen line where the other girl tells her that as well. I would have been really interested as well in that if, again, like I would have been really interested in this movie if we'd seen that everything that she had experienced was through this filter of like it not being quite real and it being in her head. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, the Annalie Ashford character was then given more depth and it turned out that she was trying to warn her away from the boss, mm. but she didn't see it that way because she has that kind – like, she's, you know, yeah. um, she's oh, having the rainbow a break. glasses on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, have her rainbow glasses on, exactly. And then that would have also given that character more depth because I hate Annalie Ashford being wasted in the first movie I've ever seen her in. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's um, – I've seen her in other things, I think, but I – I couldn't quite place her, but I figure she's a Broadway person. She's a Broadway person. She was in um, – she played um, Glinda in Wicked for a bit. She was, of course she did. She was Elle in Legally Blonde. In the original Broadway run of Legally Blonde, she was one of Elle's sorority sisters. Right, right, yep. Yeah. So she's a very talented woman who was given an, an awful bit part in this. 
Yeah. In and such heavy makeup. Well, yeah, I, I think I – and I couldn't quite place, but I think I recognised the other girl as well who's really nice to her. Yeah. There's all these sort of comedians. She was in um, um, the tennis movie, Battle of the Sexes. Ah, right. Yeah. Yep. There was all these comedians, these tiny little parts. Like the guy who played Kevin is um, Depender from Deadpool. Yep. And this has yeah, such great actors mm. in these small parts. And not, Nobody's uh, bad in this. Even no, Brie Larson's not bad in no, this. No, she's, she's good in this. She's great. And and they're all such good actors that they kind of carry it probably better than it deserves. Yeah. Like I think I got through it and enjoyed it more because it had these good actors in it. And like nice mum Joan Cusack, which I really, really I enjoyed. I liked that as well. And like an age, age-appropriate mother as well. <laughs> and her – chemistry with Bradley Whitford was so good. I was like, I never knew I wanted this and now I want it in every movie. They're the best. They were like, they were really an old married couple. They were so great together. Because at first I was a bit worried because um, at the beginning you could see one of those coexist stickers on their fridge and I was like, oh my God, did Bradley Whitford bring that from the set of Get Out? <laughs> but they weren't like that. Yeah. That You sort of thought they were one way, but they were actually not. And then, yeah, but they, they are this sort of old married couple who sort of grown to become more like one another over mm. time, um, which is just great. They were, yeah, they you could have walked. You walked in on them, and you thought, "Wow, these people have been together for thirty years." Yeah, exactly. I loved that. That was sweet. Yeah, I would very happily watch a movie where they're a couple again. Mm. I really enjoyed that. Um, I'd also really enjoy a movie where they were the focus as a couple in a movie instead of it always having to be about their kids. Well, yeah, because um, they're they are the kind of actors who are always like the, the bit players, you know, like the supporting characters rather than the central. Yes, couple. and now very much playing dads and mums a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, which is why I looked up the age thing because I was like, Joan Cusack can't be old enough to – and I was like, oh, wait, she is actually old enough to be Brie Larson's mother. Yeah, isn't, aren't she and Bradley Whitford about the same age? They are. Yeah, I've been looking at a lot of Cabin in the Woods. I don't know why, but suddenly it's popped up everywhere again and yeah. re-appreciating Bradley Whitford in that movie. No, this is a short movie, so we can have a short episode on it's it. It's a short movie, but it's also not a movie with a lot to dissect. It's a lot of faffing about. And then the unicorn is real and that kind of ruined it for me. And then and, it ends. And if you want to find, like, if you want to look at cute business appropriate clothing that's also rainbow, I guess that's also cool. But that was more my thing than yours. So I won't, I won't bore you with my notes on the uh, costume design. That's fine. You can talk about the costume design. I noticed it occasionally. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, wow, she found cute clothes that are for adults. That's a miracle. Yeah. And I was like, oh cute yellow backpack and stuff but and i thought at first they were um because the first time samuel L. jackson appears in pink and then he's in like orange and red and i was like are they doing red orange yellow green blue indigo violet for him not quite they go close to that like you actually do see all the different rainbow colors depending on the day but it's not quite that well he's in teal the last time we see him yes yeah blue a, a light blue with um green and red flowers on it i so, remember yeah. that i was like i liked the pink better also, I thought the wig didn't fit him right. But. It, it was weird. And also the, there was like this long glitter tassel that just sort of yeah. hung down by his ear that I found extremely distracting. And then I noticed they'd done it to – the Brie Larson had one too – or had three of them in her hair when she's in the outfit for the vacuum presentation. Yeah. But I didn't mind that. That made sense. It worked on with, her. But with him, it was just like this weird thing hanging down the side of his face. It looked like – It was through the the Yeah, it sort of been wig. woven through the hair, but it was coming down the side of his face and it sort of looked from a distance like – he had one of those nano chains on his glasses and then he that it was hanging down. <laughs> yeah. It was very weird. But yeah, I mean he 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 clearly was having fun being all dressed up like that though. And and that's the uh like the poster shot on Netflix is him in his bright costumes. Yeah. All right. Yeah, no, like we can just rate it and be done with this movie, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm in full like I'm just distracted by like endgames out 
next week. I know. Yeah. And then we just got the Star Wars trailer. I know. We had Shazam last week, which you Shazam really loved and I, loved. I enjoyed. Like I, I figured out why I loved it so much too. Yeah. So I think one of the reasons why I loved Shazam so much is because it feels – it, without copying, it feels very much like a throwback to, like, the kids' own adventure movies of the 80s, like the Goonies and Lost Boys and Stand By Me and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, that's got that real focus on the boys' relationships and on adventure and they've got the caves and all that sort of stuff. And I think for me there's a nostalgia factor that also makes it really fun. That makes and sense. And makes me enjoy it without it being, like, a direct homage or copy. It does make sense. And it does definitely a throwback. Yeah. It definitely felt like a throwback. We even said that when we reviewed it. Yeah, exactly. So to me, I think part of it is that I I really enjoyed it because it felt like those movies to me. And so it was just something that I enjoyed watching when I was younger. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to read I'm just going to have one last note on this. I wrote down Millennial Diedrich Bader, by which I mean the actor Nelson Franklin, um, who is like this really tall guy with glasses. He's in this movie very briefly as the ad guy who does the really bad vacuum ad with the whole sexist one. But I noticed his name was Nelson Franklin, which is Franklin Nelson backwards. (laughs) (laughs) And that was fun. Anyway, sorry, we can rate the movie and then wrap this up. I'm going to give it two stars. I feel like even that's kind of generous. So I'm going for two and a half um, because I I had reasonable amount of fun with it, but also this is not something I probably would have chosen to watch. And I think, yeah, if I didn't have to review it, I probably wouldn't have watched it at all. And I probably would have been perfectly happy to go on with my life without it. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like old episodes or show notes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter and facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.